Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. G'day and welcome to the call 10 stocks picked by you two experts one hour it is Wednesday the 4th of May here at Ausbiz great to have your company let's introduce our two guests for the hour Andrew Wyland from DP Wealth Advisory and Henry Jennings from Marcus today gents welcome to both of you um, Henry the tightening it has begun uh, <laughs> it has. so how's how's this changing your investment outlook at this point um, well, that's a good question. Happy Star Wars Day, everyone. Oh, uh, it is Star Wars Day. Yeah. And with you, Andrew. Um, well, the two Andrews. We've got two Andys up today. So I, I guess, you know, the, the, the shock yesterday was the magnitude of the rise. But it's good to see the Reserve Bank actually starting to catch up with the right ball game because inflation certainly is um, alive and very well in Australia. Although we're not as bad as elsewhere, it certainly is alive and well. In fact, I had a few emails from people this morning uh, just saying how much inflation is alive and well. So um, that is um, something. As far as the investment outlook goes, I guess, you know, we are entering a traditionally sideways to downward kind of period of time. That sell in May and go away does spring to mind. Uh, we're getting a lot of updates and a lot of guidance coming out from companies at the moment. And it's very hard to get inspired about anything. We have this backdrop of rising rates and, of course, the inflation outlook. We've got the Fed uh, this afternoon, well, their time uh, tomorrow morning, our time, 4 a.m. For those of you who want to wake up really early for it. So it's hard to get inspired about anything, I must admit. Um, mm. So I think sideways to down for the market. And I guess, you know, all eyes now on the June meeting from the RBA, whether they back that up with an aggressive one and whether the Fed goes hard as well try and conquer this inflation genie which is well and truly out of the bottle yeah andrew of course nothing goes up forever that's good news as far as inflation is concerned but not good news as far as shares so uh how you uh how's your outlook at the moment as far as investing is concerned yeah look thanks andrew and uh henry's obviously been looking at my notes again i thought uh, a little bit of time away he'd sort of do his own research but he's uh looking over my shoulder no seriously everything that uh, henry's saying i think is bang on historically this may through october even november period does tend to be a little bit ropey uh but you know we saw and we'll talk about anz in a moment but we've seen that uh, the banks are certainly at this early stage sort of doing their part and they're a third of the index resources continuing to hold up as well. So one of the reasons the Australian share market is one of the best performing markets in the world at the moment is because we've got all the, the good things happening, whereas uh, offshore and tech and growth, et cetera, is not, not so much of a, a happy little place. But uh, we're just continuing with our uh, with our boring sort of dollar cost averaging. We're uh, sticking to the diversified strategy. But having said that, certainly uh, like bonds at the moment are uh, not a great place to be given they've just had their worst return in 33 years, but we won't talk about that. All right, well, we're going to talk about an ANZ in just a moment. Before we get there, a preview of the first five stocks we're going to take a look at. Pro Medicus, Qantas, 
BetaShares Electric Vehicles and Future Mobility ETF, otherwise known as Drive, Shaver Shop and IntelliHR. Now, stock of the day, it is ANZ, the bank reporting a jump in cash profit and an increase in net interest income, importantly, uh, despite further squeeze on those interest margins. It also says that it plans a restructure of its operations, which would see banking and non-banking groups separated. Uh, looking forward, it's saying it will look to grow in line with the other majors identifying the economic environment is likely to be very different. This as ANZ, along with the other majors, have increased their home loan variable rates by 25 basis points. Uh, shares popping on the open, but have since pulled back in the session. So uh, yeah, Andrew, ANZ, and well, I guess a chance also to talk more broadly about the financials in this rising rate environment. Yeah, I mean, this is the opportunity early in the rate rising cycle for banks to make their money. So we saw the NIM, the net interest margin for ANZ, come in at about 1.58%. And you would expect probably the first two, three rate rises, the NIM, the bank's NIMs will actually increase. So that's a, a real positive for, for banks. But then sort of three to four rate rises in, you actually start to see some credit quality concerns start coming in, the provisions start creeping up, and will that in fact impact banks' abilities to sort of keep paying those great dividends? So we are in the sweet spot at the moment for banks. The ANZ result was pretty much in line with consensus, maybe off uh, a touch where the market wanted it to be, but generally speaking, no great surprises, starting to see some loan growth come back into the system still trading below consensus at $30. So uh, you want to get yourself that 72 cent dividend. Uh, now's your opportunity to do that. So certainly uh, quite relaxed with ANZ. I would think though our preference remains NAB and CBA. They're probably the two that we prefer, but uh, no, no sort of canary in the coal mine for financials with ANZ. So you're holding it? It's a hold. Um, and certainly for clients who are underweight who want it, we'd buy it, yep. uh, but it's a hold. Okay, Henry, uh, you have the big four. How does ANZ sit with you? Um, well, I guess ANZ has been the uh, the dog to some extent under Shane Elliott for a little while now. Uh, NABs used to be that uh, that stock, but Ross McEwen has really turned it around. Uh, he's got pretty good pedigree in this with RBS, his turnaround there. So ANZ was always primed to disappoint. And it didn't really disappoint as much as people had thought it was going to disappoint. So that's I guess a slight positive in their favour, but they are undergoing a transformation. Shane Elliott talks about transforming the bank, a whole new technology platform coming through, early days, all that sort of stuff. Um, provisions coming back in, but uh, as Andrew says, you know, part of the bank attraction at the moment is it's kind of the Goldilocks scenario. It's not too hot, not too cold. You know, they've done very well out of the housing boom. They are really over bloated building societies in in the most part, and they have done very well out of the housing boom with refinancing, etc. But it gets a little harder from here going forward. And although that net interest margin at 1.58% was slightly better than the market was going for, it does show that the basis point rising in interest rates doesn't just drop straight through to the bottom line costs increase. And also they have to put up deposit rates as well to attract those funds. So I'm a little ho-hum on the results. It's definitely a hold here. I'm not so convinced about NABs, I must admit. They have been priced to perfection going into the results. So we'll find out tomorrow whether that pricing to perfection has been justified. But there's always the problem with buy the rumour, sell the fact. But it certainly has been the turnaround success 
story. CBA remains the premier bank. But um, yeah, ANZ for me as a whole, pretty uninspiring. Transformation continuing. Still a long way behind in getting uh, mortgages on board in terms of uh, growing that mortgage book. I think it's $248 billion for the mortgage book. And, and really, Shane Elliott saying no signs of that increasing dramatically until at least the second half of this year. So I think ANZ still has some problems, but they're probably not as bad as some had been expecting. So it gets a small tick there. It's a hold, probably um, number three in the uh, in the sector for me at the moment. Yeah, I think that's where it rates with Andrew as well. So it is a hold, but uninspiring from both of you. All right, let's get into the stocks as picked by you. The first one, Susie wanted to know about ProMedicus. Uh, last month, the health software company uh, popped after signing an eight-year, $32 million deal with Anova Health Systems in the US. Shares, though, have since pulled back. Henry, your view of ProMedicus? Yeah, popped and dropped, uh, as it turned out. Yeah. I, I guess, you know, this is, you know, the tech sector in Australia uh, has been under significant pressure, and this is falling into that basket. It is not cheap. I think it's on 107 times PE for this year and 86 times PE for next year. So it is a behemoth in terms of that PE. And to be honest, I'm finding it hard to get excited about stocks with PEs of 86 in 2023. And, um, you know, although that um, that contract was good news, uh, that was a $32 million contract, eight years, uh, $4 million a year, uh, Visage Radiology doing well with that software in the US. But for me, it's probably a hold at best, given the pressures that we're seeing on technology stocks at the moment. It's hard to see what's going to change, especially when we're seeing rates increase and those DCF valuations coming under pressure as we continue to see rates push higher. I mean, the Aussie uh, 10 years, nearly 3.5% now, uh, pushing ahead again today on those yields. So it's, it's a hold at best for me. I, I, it's, yeah. I can't get excited, although it did have that, that pop, but it did have that drop as well. And I suspect it's going to continue to drift and maybe drift lower in this environment. All right. Andrew, has Henry been looking at your look, notes? Yeah, looking at my notes. It's mm. a, uh, it is a quality business, uh, you know, 45% ROE, 43% profit margin. But to Henry's uh, excellent point, when I'm being asked to pay 107 times earnings for that, on forecast earnings per share growth of 36%. Now, 36% is great, but our friend, the PEG ratio, you're trying to buy businesses whose earnings per share percentage is higher than the PE. So if I could buy a business that was growing at 107% and a PE of 36, that'd be days. But if I'm being asked to pay <laughs> seven times for a business at only 36%, then, yeah, I'm not really feeling it. Mm. And uh, as Henry rightly points out, as bond yields are ripping higher, it's also ripping growth to pieces. And we've seen that uh, a lot in the ETF space, which we'll cover that off in a moment. So, uh, indeed, it is a hold, even though consensus is $55 and there's lots to like about it. Your big issue is the uh, headwinds you're facing with rising bond yields. Growth is no, not in vogue at the moment and the chart looks pretty ordinary, so it's a hold. Okay, a hold. Gee, both uninspiring, uh, the first two. But anyway, <laughs> we, we're getting into it. We'll get there. Uh, our second one is Qantas. All right, let's see if you take off on this one. Now I wanted to know about uh, it after a positive update this week. It, uh, it's been busy with shares uh, 
popping on Monday after the company released better than expected half-year numbers and signed on the dotted line to order dozens of planes from Airbus, including new aircraft to fly non-stop between Australia, the US and the UK. Uh, this as the flying kangaroo sees domestic travel ramp up, of course, and uh, it's returning to those pre-COVID levels ahead of expectations at this point. So, Andrew, are you on board with Qantas? Don't give up your day job, Andrew. Um, yeah, look, it's uh, it's look, it's not it's not bad. Um, it's not exactly a ringing endorsement, is it? Uh, look, I've never been a, a great fan of airlines because their costs, their fixed costs, are so high. Uh, and we'll talk about the recovery play in a moment. But broadly speaking, if a plane is only half full, does that mean you only put half the fuel, <coughs> half the staff, uh, half the landing fees? Of course not. You know, you've got those high fixed costs. So airlines in general, I haven't been a great fan of. If you're trading, Qantas um, is a great trading company, but as a longer term investment, I think I'd probably think of it as a trade. If we then look at the environment that we're in at the moment, we had Flight Centre come out this morning and saying that the recovery is well underway. We had all those scenes from Sydney and Melbourne airports where people were sort of catching their flights over the uh, school holidays and over Easter. Just looking at forecast uh, revenue growth for Qantas uh, next year, it's 89%. Uh, they came out in their update the other day and said that they've got their debt now back below pre-COVID levels. So, you know, they're ticking all the right boxes. I guess, though, was the real money to be made in this, you know, when everyone's sort of throwing their hands in the air and uh, we're in lockdown? Uh, or is there more money to be made by virtue of the recovery, um, airline recovery continuing to take place? I, uh, I'm probably a little bit cautious. I note consensus on it is about $6.14, and I think we're at about five eighty odd at the moment. So there's probably a little bit in there. Obviously, that rising fuel price is a concern for next year, not so much for this year. And having Richard Goiter as the chair, the former head of West Farmers, gives me a lot of confidence. But on balance, Andrew, sadly, I hold. Yeah, OK, I knew you were going to say that. Um, Henry? <laughs> uh, we've got more holes than a Greco-Roman wrestling bout at the moment. <laughs> I've got to say, um, Qantas is an interesting one. I've just been through the exercise of booking flights to London, and it's very instructive in terms of levels of competition. Now, in the past, when I've booked tickets to London, there is kind of a, a nice cheapy deal out there, mainly because there's a lot of competition from China, in terms of their airlines and a lot of competition from the airlines in Asia. That has dropped to pretty much nothing. Uh, Qantas, British Airways, uh, Emirates, Etihad and those sorts of airlines very much have the playing field to themselves in terms of pricing and pricing has been squeezed higher. I've got to say I was slow and I missed the cheap flights and had to pay a little bit more for a Qantas flight to London and that, that goes to the heart of it. Things are improving uh, for Qantas and the like. And with all the Chinese airlines out of the game at the moment because of the uh, zero COVID policy in China, that does leave them in a good spot. Uh, there was lots of uh, hoo-ha, of course, about those non-stop flights to London. I can't think of anything worse than being trapped on an aeroplane for 21 hours. It's bad enough being trapped there for 14 and a half. At least you get out to stretch your legs, uh, have a drink uh, or somewhere and have a donut at Dubai, which they're really good at Dubai, I've got to say. Uh, cinnamon buns, very impressive. But um, the the problem for Qantas, I guess, is fuel costs. And, you know, we've got oil at uh, 105 US a barrel. 
that fuel cost is going to have to be passed on at some stage to customers. And, you know, there is a lot of people that are quite happy to pay another couple of hundred bucks extra in terms of that, um, that fuel fare tariff as fuel prices rise. But it's, um, you know, th that is the question whether people will still want to and pay up for that uh, fare increase as we go ahead. I think they're, they're hedged until June in terms of their oil exposure, I seem to remember. So for me, I'm afraid it's another hold. Hard to get excited. They also had a decision today which went against them in the Industrial uh, Relations Court, I think it was, in regards to uh, their baggage handlers, which they outsourced, and now they're going to have to pay a big hefty fine for that. So that does take a little bit of the gloss off them. But, um, yeah, I think the market may have got a little bit too carried away with that uh, announcement about the long-haul flights. But the balance sheet's in good shape. We should see capital management initiatives coming through in 2024. Alan Joyce is still um, very, very popular with investors, and uh, he has done a pretty good job for investors steering the, uh, the big kangaroo through a pretty turbulent time. But um, I think fuel for me, that mm. cost is a bit of an issue coming down the track. All right. Okay, we're looking to get excited. Let's try and do it with the next one. We're going to go drive. Let's get excited. Electric vehicles, uh, beta shares, electric vehicle and future mobility ETF, otherwise known as DRIVE or DRIV. Uh, Diana wanting to know about this. Is it a good place to start with ETFs? I like to get ETFs into my portfolio. Are you able to suggest a good starting point? DRIVE only listed in December last year. Holds around, uh, was got about 50 holdings, Tesla, Uber, VW being among the top three. Andrew, um, I might start with you. Uh, look, two parts to this, sorry. Uh, two parts to this question. First one being, is this a good ETF to start with? No, this is not a good ETF to start with. And I would say that simply because when you're starting your ETF journey, uh, then you probably want to start off with a core ETF. So, you know, this is a satellite ETF. This is a thematic ETF, and we can talk about that in a moment. But in the context of my first ETF one, why wouldn't you maybe think there's one coming later in the list? I won't uh, disclose what it is at the moment, but the one we talk about a bit later might be a good one to start with. So uh, probably this one probably isn't the one to start with. In the context of this one on its merits, I don't think that anyone for one moment would deny that uh, the days of the combustion engine is numbered and that certainly, you know, 2030 and beyond that electric vehicles will be the norm. Um, so from that point of view, the thematic makes sense. Uh, when we were talking about ProMedicus before, the concern that we alluded to, in fact, didn't allude to, we were very clear about, is that uh, valuations are under pressure because of rising bond yields. And Henry spoke about DCF valuations, these discounted cash flows, because a lot of these businesses are barely making a profit, if any. Now, not all of them, you know, Volvo and uh, VW are obviously making profits, but uh, you've got uh, many other businesses in there that are not making profits, and therefore they're valued um, as a function of what cash they could potentially put off into the future. And if they're having to discount that back because interest rates are coming up, then a lot of these businesses are under valuation pressure. So that's the problem we have with a lot of these thematic ETFs. Mm. Thematically, they all make perfect sense. Cybersecurity, uh, lithium, you know, um, mining, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But when the valuations are under pressure, that's the, the issue that we have. So from mind, uh, the chart looks pretty ordinary. The, uh, the sort of um, 
issue relating to sort of valuation is also troubling given that as Henry said bond yields are continuing to rise so yep. uh, I would actually think this is at best a hold. Okay all right Henry. Um, I would say steer well clear of this one I must admit. Um, it didn't seem that long ago that car companies were forever going bankrupt yet now we're in an era where car companies are fated as the best thing since sliced bread. And this thing, of course, is very much exposed to Tesla. Now, I'm not saying Tesla is going to go down or, or going to go up because I don't really have a huge view on Tesla. But the second biggest holding is Uber, which isn't really a car company. It's, a, it's an unlicensed taxi dispatch system um, and a food delivery service now. And God knows what else. And I don't think it's ever going to make any money. And I think the company's already said that it's probably never going to make any money and has serious problems. So why you would buy an ETF which has 8% in Uber, I have no idea, I must admit. So for me, this is definitely a no-no. Mm. I guess when you look at the size of the ETF's um, sort of market cap, that's out there's only about 10.5 million bucks or something. So yeah. clearly, I'm not the only one that is steering clear of the DI, uh, DRIV, yep. the drive uh, ETF. Not for me, I think, you know, if, if you don't, if you haven't got it, why bother? Uh, there's plenty out there, as Andrew says, and he's going to mm. talk about that one because he is the ETF whisperer. As we know, he is yeah. the expert. But, All um, right. Certainly... Okay. Well, at least it's not a hold. You've, you've put a big no on it, in fact. No, it's but Henry, definitely, Henry, definitely not I, a hold. Okay. If, if you're getting, if you're talking about the EV thematic then, where are you seeing the opportunity in the supply chain? Now, we're going to get to one of the lithium miners a bit later in the show, but is it at the, at the, that early, very early stage of digging the stuff up in far as batteries are concerned, or is it where the cars are being manufactured or somewhere along the line? Um, well, I guess, uh, I guess that you can, you can attack the string from both ends. For me, uh, the ones that I've been looking at are the ones that are, are able to leverage the high lithium prices at the moment because there's been such a sort of uh, an undersupply of lithium as the mines take such a long time to come on board. Uh, we are seeing this huge spike at the moment in spodumene and lithium hydroxide prices, which has fed through. So you want to be in those companies that are actually producing at the moment or on the cusp of producing, and those companies then can take advantage of that leverage. It's no use being in a company that I suspect that in five years' time is going to be a lithium producer, because mm. who knows what the price is going to be in five years' time. Every man and his dog is going to be a lithium producer. There's no shortage of uh, lithium in the world. It's relatively easy uh, to find. It's a matter of making it economical uh, in enough uh, sort of concentrations, whether it's brine or in hard rock with spodumene, to make it economical. So I'm sticking to stocks like Pilbara, uh, Mineral Resources, and of course there's uh, Core Lithium, which I own myself, uh, mm -hmm. which I've been uh, uh, following for some time, which is on the cusp of becoming Australia's next lithium producer and has done extraordinarily well, maybe too well, maybe run too hard. But certainly these are the guys that can leverage those high prices at the moment. Yep. 2024, 25, every man and his dog is going to be out there. Mm. Who knows what the lithium price is going to be? So you've got a window here to maximize it. And I think, um, you know, there's two years when the companies can do really well, set a platform and also maybe a little bit of M&A activity, buying up some of their competitors and yeah. ensuring the mine life is, uh, is extended through acquisition of other mines. All right, well, we'll get to that in a little more detail a bit later in the show, as I said, with one of the lithium stocks. Uh, let's move on then to Shaver's shop. Marshall wanting to know about this, uh, the Aussie retailer. 
selling specialist grooming products uh, from beard trimmers to electric toothbrushes. I'm sure you guys have walked into their shops at some stage. Half year results in February showing a uh, lift of about 2.8% in sales, online sales up more than 37%. But uh, how will it fare in a rising interest rate environment as it straddles the line between, I guess, a staple, as far as the guys are concerned, and discretionary? Henry. Um, yeah, I, I kind of... Shaver shops done a pretty good job in uh, in the pandemic. I have to say, everyone's rushed out online and bought those uh, those sort of accessories and the beard trimmers and the hair trimmers, etc. And it's done a pretty good job. Online sales uh, increased 177%. Um, all the numbers are pretty good in this one. The management's done a great job. But we are coming out of the uh, the COVID lockdowns, although I've been locked down for the last week and a bit. But uh, we are coming out of that lockdown and people are getting out and about. And I booked my own. Uh, this is not something that will interest Andrew, of course, but I did book um, to uh, go and see my hairdresser uh, or haircut man uh, next week for the first time. And when I looked at the my booking thing, has been some time. And you can probably notice that by my hair. It's been five months, but people are getting out and about. So I think it's there's a few headwinds appearing for Shaver Shop in this environment as we go back to the more social side of, uh, of grooming as opposed to doing it yourself but um it's, it's been a good stock it has had a bit of a fall recently and it couldn't provide guidance i think was poss possibly one of the reasons for that it's not looking too bad at these levels but um for me i've got it's another greco-roman stock it's another hold <laughs> at best uh, at the moment until um we see how the economy is going to pan out yeah. i guess okay andrew Sorry, Andrew, another hold. Um, we, we're we not really getting that mojo going today, are we? Our PE of nine, so seems pretty attractive, but again, our friend the peg, EPS growth of but 2%. So, you know, if we're saying inflation's running at between three and five, we're not even keeping up with inflation. So that's probably one of my concerns. Um, average daily traded volume's okay, 100 million, like it's not fantastic but it's it's okay um so i've got personally concerns about supply chains and so forth as to you know getting stock through the doors so that's obviously a bit of a concern as you said their results were pretty good 40 percent of all sales are now online and yet they're still opening stores so you know the model itself is okay but even on a p of nine i think it's looking fairly fully valued so uh, it is but a hold okay all right the holds continue Let's move on to uh, IntelliHR. That's our fifth stock. Morris wanted to know this, uh, having held it for more than two years, uh, slowly adding more, saying uh, Bevan Slattery buying in the third quarter of 2020 and again late last year, which caused a bump in the price. It's gone down, well, it's gone sideways since appears to have solid, stable growth and good management, he says, albeit expensive. I'm interested in what uh, you guys think of the company's proposition and offering in the HR management market, Andrew. Yet again, another hold. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and in fact, when we see the chart in a moment, uh, the chart is actually looking um, pretty ordinary. So that's certainly one of the concerns. I have another concern, which I'm sure Henry will touch on in a moment, but I'll steal the line before he can, is that there is only 23,000 shares a day traded. So on a $47 million company, 
uh, it is a crab pot. You know, it is very difficult to get out of. So, um, look, I'm sure the underlying technology is fine, albeit in my very limited experience with HR, hard to believe, Andrew and Henry, I'm not a people person. Uh, my experience with HR is that it really is a people business and they are looking at uh, a process whereby they're actually sort of trying to automate it and, and so forth. And I'm, I look, I'm no expert, but I think that would be challenging. They understand their core market, sort of five to 2,000 employees, and they've had some wins relating to getting contracts. And in fact, their most recent update was pretty promising relating to new sign, uh, new hires, uh, recurring revenue up. You know, it's all sort of ticking those boxes. But as you can see, the, the market is not responding from a chart point of view or from a price action point of view. So, And I think a lot of people bought in the fact that Bevan Slattery was there because certainly whatever Bevan has been touching has been turned into gold, but certainly not in this case. So uh, I'd like to see those financials to continue to improve, which may then see more volume, may then see the price go up. But at the moment, uh, it's a hold. Okay. Henry, now now's your chance to break the pattern. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> can't break the pattern. Uh, Andrew has stolen my thunder in terms of the liquidity issue because it doesn't trade very often. It does trade by appointment. Um, the other thing that uh, I found interesting, it, it's a minnow. The the, uh, the revenue is, is small. I, I'm, I'm staggered that Andrew doesn't consider himself a people person, I must admit. Um, and with HR, the, the clue is in the title. It is human resources. So it is a people business. It's about managing people. And I'm not sure that it can be all done by cool software, um, no matter how cool it is. So that is a concern for me. I'm still staggered, Andrew, that you're not a people person. I, you are definitely a people person. <laughs> the other thing that concerned me slightly, um, we've all played this game, haven't we? We've all seen these companies from Australia doing pretty well in New Zealand as well, doing pretty well, and then they go to America. And when I looked at the slide about their business in America, it started, it was launched in 2020, not a brilliant time to do it, September 2020. They have 43 customers and 13 on the sales team. That seems an awful lot of salespeople, which usually in America means quite expensive uh, for only 43 customers. Uh, the numbers are significantly better in terms of leverage for the Australian and the more established business. So that's a concern. The other thing is that uh, they've announced an internal strategic reorganization back in April. You don't do that if you're doing well, surely. You don't do that if you're uh, if you're nailing it. Uh, internal strategic reorganisations get everybody on edge. Uh, they are they're a fantastic thing for HR departments because they're going to be hiring and firing people and changing roles, and so maybe they'll be using their own software. But for me, this is just you know what, mm. Bevan's great, but you don't have to follow these guys blindly. They do get it wrong, and if you're worth you know 200 million bucks and you chuck a million dollars at something like this. And everyone goes, oh, Bevan's a genius. Well, it's it's like me finding you know, 20 bucks down the back of the sofa and putting it on red. It's um, it's not always a great sign. So I will avoid this one, I must admit. Oh, so that's that's not a hold. It's a no. It's just an avoid. Well, I wouldn't be looking at it. Yeah, if you got it, yeah, maybe hold it. But if you haven't got okay. it, I would just avoid. Okay, all right. All right, let's sum up where we've been uh, for the first half of the show. We began with our stock of the day. That uh, was ANZ. Uh, uh, now, Andrew's saying, you know, some credit quality concerns there, um, but he does prefer NAB, CBA. He's got a hold on it. Uh, Henry, likewise, primed to disappoint. Uh, he referred to it as the dog of the big four, in fact, but, uh, yeah, both have a hold. 
Uh, that trending trend is continuing throughout the first half. ProMedicus also a double hold there. Um, it's one of those tech companies under pressure, not cheap, says uh, Henry. Although Andrew points out it is quality business. Qantas there, uh, not bad, says Andrew, but uh, tends to avoid airlines just because the costs, fixed costs are so high and the fuel price is going up, of course. Uh, Henry says, but he's seeing those airfares uh, go up. It's uh, less competition, particularly international. Both have a hold on it. Uh, beta shares drive, DRIV ETF. Uh, Andrew, not a good ETF, a very ordinary chart. He does have a hold on it. It's a no from Henry. Steer well clear is his advice. Uh, Shaver Shop, uh, both have a hold on it. Uh, good stock, but no guidance, says uh, Henry. And uh, Intelli HR there, a hold from Andrew. Pretty liquid, though, he points out. Henry saying it's a minnow. Uh, US expansion concerns him, given they've really got minimal customers there. Uh, it's either a hold or just he's avoiding it altogether. Uh, all right, just a reminder that the call is tracking uh, its own high conviction fund. That's picked by our investment committee. Uh, the latest episode at that committee meeting is live for you to watch at osbiz.com. So let's check in with the latest update. Uh, JB Hi-Fi, ProMedicus, discuss that. Linus and Intertech Pivot added to the fund uh, last month, joining the original stocks and 20% being held in cash. And uh, so far, our fund there up 1.78% since inception, beginning of March. We've had an update since then, actually, but you can check in on the website to see what uh, the new inclusions are. Keep sending in your requests. Keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, let's uh, move on to the second half of the show. The next five, uh, we'll be looking at Centuria Office REIT, Vanguard Australian Shares Index ETF, uh, Cooper Energy, Transurban and Liontown. All right, let's uh, begin with Centuria Office REIT. Uh, Tracy wanted to know about this. Uh, the trust primarily invests in Australian office properties, derives around 80% of its income from government, multinational corporations and listed uh, company tenants. Uh, reinforcing its operations guidance on Monday, in fact, representing a full-year distribution yield of 7.5 cents a share based off its current trading price. Henry, thoughts of Centuria Office REIT? Well, here we go. I've got to say, I'm not really a big fan of the whole uh, REIT sector. Uh, this one did, did have a bit of a tumble. There was some sort of misinterpretation, I guess, of the results. 7.5% uh, yield, of course, there's no franking with these things, is not to be sneezed at. But then, of course, when you've got 10-year yields at 3.5%, uh, that is certainly curtailing the attraction of REITs generally. And we've seen that uh, in recent times as the whole sector has been coming off. Rising rates don't really help the sector. This one has tumbled, though, and it's getting to a level $2.10-ish where you kind of look at it and go, you know what? Maybe this is starting to look interesting. It's not really interesting enough to be a buy yet so we're going to go with a hold but certainly i think there was some misinterpretation of the numbers 
the uh, FY22 guidance was reiterated, and uh, they also um, saw some of the tenants paying forward rents, uh, which um, has kind of distorted the second half a little bit. So for me, I guess around two bucks, I'd be far more interested. And these are that's the problem with REITs. They're, they're very stable. They're very, or they should be very, very dull. Um, and you should be sort of looking for small gains and good distributions at two bucks. I think this one is probably a buy at 210. It's probably a hold. Mm. Um, it has fallen a long way. And I think the market may have misinterpreted the results slightly on this one. So um, it's looking more interesting. It's certainly looking the more interesting one than we've had so far, I have to say. But I won't spoil it. But there are some later that I do like. Yeah. OK. All right. It is a bit boring. Nonetheless, it's a hold. Uh, okay, Andrew. It's a hold. Um, it's a hold. <laughs> but um, look, there's lots to like about it, and you know Henry's covered off a few of the pressure points. The other thing to think about is if this uh, sort of great resignation, or even if you're more optimistic around people wanting to work from home, this sort of flexible working environment, what's the impact going to be on commercial REITs? Uh, or LPTs for uh, for us more mature folks, listed property trusts. So uh, I agree with Henry. I think around that sort of two to two ten mark is sort of great buying for it. Consensus is two forty five. Of course, being the ETF guy, I have to mention VAP, which is the uh, the Vanguard product, and it literally just buys the top thirty REITs out there. So instead of trying to work out a Centuria better than Dexas, better than Stockland. Why wouldn't you just buy one that covers the whole sector? But to Henry's excellent point, in a rising bond yield environment, any REIT is going to come under pressure. So that's certainly something to keep in mind. Okay, a double hold on Centurio Office REIT. All right, well, let's get to an ETF. Uh, this one is Vanguard's Australian Shares Index ETF, VAS. Bethany wanting to know a bit about this one, saying I'm looking for an ETF as my first investment. Uh, that'll please you, Andrew. Uh, I'm in my early 20s and I'm looking to hold something long term. This seems to be the most simple Aussie ETF. And then I'd look to add a US one down the track. Wondering what your experts think. Uh, VSS tracks the return of the S&P ASX 300 index before taking into account uh, the fees there. Andrew, uh, oh, I should also note, actually, uh, it, uh, Vanguard's saying the ETF also offers potential long-term capital growth along with dividend income and franking credits. That's a spiel. So does that impress you, Andrew? Yeah, it does. It's, uh, it's a buy, Andrew. Oh, well done. <laughs> It's a uh, steady up, Henry. I can see Henry's Henry's foaming at the mouth. Steady up, Tiger. Uh, look uh, and look. It's a, and when I say it's a buy, um, I guess there's a few reasons I say it's a buy. Again, trying to pick markets in the context of the long term, it's incredibly difficult. Our friend at Stan, our friends at Stanton Paul, uh, tells us that over 15 years. 83% of active managers fail to meet the benchmark. So in other words, just by buying the benchmark, you're going to put yourself in a better position. Um, but to uh, Bethany's point and Diana, who asked earlier about that drive ETF, you know, remember we were saying that drive is a thematic ETF, whereas I would consider VAS to be a core ETF. So I think this would be a really good one to start with. And the big difference between this one and the index 
um, is that there's 300 companies in this ETF as opposed to 200 in the index. So you're getting exposure to companies 201 to 300, which tend to be at that sort of smaller emerging leader space, and they generally tend to do a little bit better, but they're also more volatile. And in fact, looking at the difference in returns between, say, STW or IOZ, which are the ones that literally track the index versus VAS, uh, that has those extra 100 companies, there's been about a half a percent per annum difference in return as in better return because you've got a slightly more of that emerging leader bent in there. So certainly the fees are, are pretty friendly. I just saw the fees before, but the fees I think are around eight or nine basis points. Um, there we go. The uh, Yeah, it's 10 basis points. So it's incredibly cheap to do. You're buying a basket of the top 300 companies. So Bethany, for your first one, first ETF, this is... All right. So, Henry, do you agree? Um, yes, I do. Um, <laughs> I get. I guess uh, you know if you're doing, uh, if you're opening the book, the Ladybird book that says this is my first ETF. This is certainly a great place to start, as Andrew said. And over the, you know, it's, since its inception, it's up uh, around nine point six five percent, and it's going to harness the greatest power in the universe, of course, which is the power of compound interest and uh, over that long term. So, you know, we, we talk about timing the market. We talk about, um, you know, what the market's going to do for the next six months, what it's going to do for the next 10 years. I have no idea about. But what I do know is that in the past, it has grown, you know, somewhere between 7, 9, 10% uh, on a long-term basis. So if you're in your 20s and you're looking at a, uh, a smart kind of sleep-at-night kind of investment, an ETF that will do relatively well, over the next 10 years, then this certainly satisfies it. Pays uh, pays quarterly distributions as well, so you're going to get some income along the way. Um, yeah, I mean, ETFs are a very popular thing for people just starting out because it does, uh, I guess it does instantly diversify you and give you this massive 300 stock portfolio that would be hard to do. I, I would also say that if you're young, and you have a little bit of a higher risk appetite, picking some individual winners is going to make you a lot richer, a lot uh, a lot more so than, uh, than an ETF. But um, that is a debate for another day, I suspect, with Andrew, who will always push the ETF argument. But um, for me, uh, stock picking has a place as well. So uh, maybe if you're just starting out to have a look at some of the stocks, have a look at some of the companies that are around you uh, that you're seeing um, in your normal lives and, and assess them as to how they're going to be going in yeah. five to ten years. So it's always a good, good, fun thing to do, especially if you're just starting out. But a good place to start, that's for sure. So it's a buy. Well, it's it's the index. We talked earlier about what the index is going to do, going sideways to down for the next six months. So yes, it's a buy over ten years, but you know, timing is everything. You could get it a lot cheaper in the next six months as interest rates bite. So. Um, <laughs> You know, we, we can't have it both ways. We can't say that we both think the index is going sideways to down and it's a weak period and then say that buying the index is a buy. Um, it doesn't work like that. You know, so for me, I would be buying it in, I'd go with Green Day. Wake me up when September ends. Okay. <laughs> All right. Like it. Uh, okay. Let's move on to the energy space. Cooper Energy, Dale, wanting to know about this uh, on a potential as a specky long-term buy for the gas shortages are coming. Well, here in many places, of course, uh, it does focus on production of gas from the Otway and Gippsland basins, plus production of oil from the Cooper Basin. 
Henry, Cooper Energy. Well, if you if you look at a company and a stock that has completely missed the boat, this is the stock, Cooper Energy. You know, we've got oil at 105 US a barrel. We've got gas prices through the roof, and yet Cooper Energy has done nothing but trade between 28 and 30 cents for the last or oh, year. It has been, you know, it's like you know, standing in the slow lane with its thumb out trying to hitch a lift and everybody's going past at 100 miles an hour and they have missed out. You look at Origin, which is in the gas business as well. You know, look at the performance of Origin against Cooper Energy. I, I find it hard to look at Cooper as a, as a valid oil and gas play, I must admit. They have had some production issues. They have put off some of the maintenance issues, hoping to get higher gas prices. But you know what? This, this one really has just been a it's it's a bit like my school report when i was a kid you know disappointing this year could have done better that sort of thing it, it really has missed the boat so if you want oil and gas exposure i think you go with the big guys you know the Woodsides, the santos and the uh, the origin my favorite oil company is Karoon, which is a brazilian oil play but you know really and truly cooper has been possibly the most underwhelming under exciting company in that space for a couple of years actually mm. more than a couple of years disappointment 101 from this company and i don't think that's going to change i would avoid it okay avoid uh it's been goofing off at the back of class andrew <laughs> i love this i love these sessions andrew i mean who needs to go to the pub you know and, and learn about somebody we can just sit here and find out i'm not a people person henry's uh, school reports <laughs> Andrew, before we finish, we need something from you, okay? So I just, I'll just putting that out there. You've got 15 minutes to give us something about you. Um, but I'm, I'm the same. Cooper Energy, it's, uh, it's underwhelming uh, on many different fronts. Uh, it's trading near consensus. If I'm trying to find something positive, it's trading near consensus. Consensus is 29 versus a current share price of 28. Uh, but you know, just like Henry likes Karoon, I prefer Beach. So I can think of uh, lots of reasons not to be there. So it is a hold. A hold? You're not a avoiding hold. it. Well, I'm, I'm playing the Nadine. You know, Nadine's very clear as to, you know, buy, hold, sell. So it's a hold. But we haven't had a sell yet. You could put that. Well, that's a sell on, from on me. Okay. All right, there we go. Another sell, right. two sells. Okay, all right. Sorry, I've pushed you in that direction. Fair enough. Uh, okay. Let's uh, move on then to Transurban. Uh, Melvin wanting to know about this one, the company positioned firmly in the infrastructure space, uh, building, operating toll roads, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, as well as in the States with, I think, Greater Washington, um, also Montreal and Canada. It's engaged in research and development of a tolling and transport technology at the same time. And uh, Andrew, thoughts on Transurban as, uh, well, I guess we're all back on the roads, aren't we? Yeah, look, I, I don't mind Transurban, Andrew. Um, it's uh, their update the other day was was really interesting. If you're uh, sort of interested as to, you know, sort of the future of the business and the way they see it, and you know, you just spoke about their technology side as an example, their recent investor day is certainly something you should have a bit of a read on the ASX. But uh, they, um, they've got 21 assets, uh, only 330 kilometres. I actually found that really um, surprising. For a $44 billion company, they only own or manage 
330 kilometres. So that sort of uh, did my head in, albeit my little brain. Uh, there's lots to like about Transurban, in particular the fact that in an inflationary environment, their revenue is actually tied to inflation. So lots of other businesses are under margin pressure and input costs and so forth whereas there's a predictable, reliable income stream, albeit lockdowns pending, as to well, lockdowns post, I don't think we're gonna to see too many lockdowns into the future, around that income stream that actually comes from Transurban. So I really do like the business. I then, I, think, I guess we then come to valuation. So uh, from a valuation point of view, I think consensus is around $16. Uh, and they're trading at the moment, as we can see there, at about that sort of $14.77. You're not really, sorry, uh, consensus is $14.41, sorry. Uh, and the yield is not that flash. We're now back to around 2.8%. So as you can see in the chart there, since about March, they've had a, a nice sort of little run along. So I don't mind them, but on a valuation basis, I think they're probably looking a bit pushed. Being the ETF guy, I prefer either IFRA, uh, or Mitch, and both of those, their biggest holding is Transurban, but a whole range of other infrastructure assets as well. So again, concentration risk, Transurban, but if you're looking for that more diversified infrastructure story, one of those two ETFs, but uh, it's a begrudging hold. And what I mean by that is if the price was to come back, I'd actually probably like to buy it because it's a good business. Okay, all right, that makes sense. Um, so, Henry, yeah, as Andrew points out, revenue tied to inflation. So, you know, of course, motorists hit with rising costs as far as fuel is concerned, but at the same time, tolls as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like this stock. I've got to say, I, I was uh, working for Macquarie when uh, Macquarie invented infrastructure stocks with uh, the first round of Hills Motorway, which ended up morphing into Transurban. I wrote an article on Monday christening this as the Tarmac Tech Stock. And what I mean by this is it's the classic platform stock. I mean, tech stocks are great because they build platforms and then people just join the platform and pay more money. And that money just drops straight into the bottom line. And because it becomes such a necessity of life, uh, the likes of, uh, you know, the, the Apples and Facebooks and Amazons, etc. They don't actually have to do a huge amount of marketing to get new customers. So it's brilliant. All those new customers that they don't have to market to just drop through in terms of revenue to their bottom line. This is just a fantastic business. They may only have 330 kilometres of tollways, but what 330 kilometres they are. They've basically got a stranglehold in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. And as a result of this, they basically have this tarmac platform, a tarmac tech stock. They don't have to market to get new customers. They've built the roads people just come and drive on them. The government's even helped them along the way by reducing petrol costs, you know, $1.70 now a litre instead of $2.20. I mean, it's just all going in their favour. The other great thing about Transurban is it's a fantastic inflation hedge. And the market's finally woken up to that and the stock price has reflected that because it puts up tolls uh, by the inflation rate or a minimum of around 4%. And that's quarterly. $8.65 is now the Eastern distributor. $8.65 at present rates, I think by the year 2030, I worked it out, it's going to be about 30 bucks a trip on the Eastern distributor. That is a big, big increase. And they haven't done anything for it. They, they don't have to do anything. So I, I, I do. The big issue overhanging them was, of course, uh, the Melbourne issue with Westgate. And that has been resolved. Okay, they're going to have to pay some money and sort it all out. But it has been resolved. That was holding them back. Inflation-proof, tarmac tech, great mm. platform, 
great management. Uh, a lot of their debt is hedged as well for the next seven years. And I noticed Victor Schwetz from Macquarie uh, today talking that interest rates are going to be cut next year as the world hits a recession. Mm. After raising them, going into it, we're going to have to cut them. So we're going to have a seesaw or a yo-yo with uh, interest rates. So I like Transurban. Has run very hard, uh, despite the market not running very hard. That's the only thing I don't like. I'd rather be talking this conversation a month ago, but uh, it is a buy. Excellent. Well done. Okay, a buy on Transurban. Uh, while Andrew's looking to buy it, if it uh, drops a little. Okay, let's round it out. Uh, we said we'd go to lithium, and here it comes with Liontown. John wanting to know about this uh, only lithium player, well, one of only a few that's actually producing the company as a tier one discovery at its flagship Kathleen Valley lithium project in WA. Uh, already has a deal in the works with the Tesla, and this week also penned another offtake agreement to supply spodumene concentrate to LG Energy. Henry, uh, your thoughts on Liontown? You've already mentioned a couple of lithium stocks. In fact, I was speaking to your colleague Chris Conway yesterday, and he, he said you like Liontown. Is, uh, is he fibbing? No, he's not fibbing. Mm. Uh, Chris is a good man. He's definitely not fibbing. I do yeah. like Liontown. It did roar higher, if ah. you pardon the pun, nice. uh, recently. It got to over two bucks at one stage. Uh, I think everyone's done a deal with Tesla. I think they've actually phoned me a few times to try and see if I've got any lithium uh, knocking around the place to see if I can supply any. Uh, the the uh, Kathleen Valley is their big project. They announced another further extension to the offtake agreement they have with LG this week as well. Um, but this, again, is, is production that's coming on stream 2024-2025. So this is pie in the sky to some extent. You have to take a leap of faith. And as I said earlier... The ones that really sort of sit at the top of my list are the likes of Pilbara Mineral Resources and even Core Lithium, which are coming on production sooner rather than later. In the case of Pilbara Mineral Resources, of course, they're already producing and Core Lithium just about to. So this one is a, uh, a hope, a dream, but it is certainly a big possible reality that the, uh, Kathleen Valley is a big, big resource in the right place, coming on stream at the right time. I like Liontown. It's been sold off considerably, as have a lot of these lithium stocks. I think it's a buy at these levels. Mm, interesting, Andrew. Yeah, sign me up. I'll, t I'll have a bit of that. I I'd say it's, I'd say it's a buy <laughs> as well. Uh, and and I mean, obviously, my learned uh, lithium friend is uh, leaning me um, a, a great deal towards that. But again, in my own research, you know, Tim Goiter from Chalice is involved there. Uh, those contracts with LG and because uh, they couldn't get uh, Henry's supply with uh, with Tesla. So uh, there's certainly lots to like uh, about Liontown. Again, you know, it's it's more at the pointy end. It's more at the aggressive end. Uh, you know, uh, Andrew, the boring ETF guy would probably buy ACDC, which is sort of, you know, to your point before around the supply chain where you've got the whole gamut uh, there with ACDC. But if we're trying to pick individual names, then certainly Liontown resonates with me as well. So it's a buy. All right, well done. Uh, double buy to round out the show. All right, let's summarise where we've we got been one. in the second half of the show. <laughs> Sorry? We got one. We got, we got one. Yeah, 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 well done. Uh, took a while, but uh, nonetheless, <laughs> look, we did actually start out with another hold, double hold for Centuria Office REIT. Uh, Henry, not a fan of Office REITs in general. Uh, it was Andrew, um, he has concerns, particularly about that work from home thematic, how it's going to affect that uh, sector at this point. Uh, Vanguard Australian Shares Index ETF. Uh, 
Andrew calls it a core ETF, which is always important. A great one to start with. That was the question uh, to put in your portfolio, given it has exposure to about 300 companies there. It is a buy, also a buy from Henry. Uh, Cooper Energy, in contrast, goodness, Henry's saying completely missed the boat. Production issues there, uh, doesn't like it at all. He prefers uh, Woodside and Carew in that energy space. It's an avoid. In fact, I pushed them both, slapped perhaps a sell on it. Uh, Andrew prefers Beach. Transurban, uh, both liking that. Andrew's got a hold on it, though. He is looking to buy it. He does like it. Um, and Henry's saying it's a tarmac tech stock plus an inflation hedge. He's got a buy on it. And a double buy there for Liontown, the, uh, the lithium company that's looking to begin producing, although uh, Henry does like Pilgrim Mineral Resources and Core. All right, that is the show for today. Thanks to our guests. Uh, Henry, thanks for joining us from Marcus today. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. And Andrew from DP Wealth Advisory. Have a good one. Thank you. Cheers. All right. Now, any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, the call at osbiz.com.au, or you can tweet us at osbiztv. And a reminder where to find those stocks we have in the course portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.